Some things shouldn't be transparent, like stop signs. But what you pay for should always be clear, like Hiller's true transparency pricing, always clearly itemized and never any hidden fees. Because you have the right to know what you're paying for. For more information, visit happyhiller.com slash true transparency pricing. Happy you'll be of the services free. Call the Happy Face Truck today. Zones non-stop sports talk continues with a look at Nashville's teams and at news around the nation from the lead writer of 1045thezone.com. This is the Big Six. The Big Six with Jason Martin. Presented by Renters Warehouse. And here we go. Straight up, 6 o'clock by my watch means it's time for the one and only Big Six here on 104.5 The Zone. Glad to have you with us. Blessed to have you as a part of my audience. My name is Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. My producer is Ryan Albanese. He's behind the glass spinning the dials radio style for me this evening. If you want to talk to me, 615-737-1045 is the best method. You can also tweet me again at jmartzone. Say it every night. I am blessed beyond measure, all reasonable and otherwise. Hope you recognize that you are as well. Hope this show finds you and yours doing as well as humanly possible. If not, I hope it gets better. Obviously, I can't promise that it gets better, but I can tell you one rock that's never going to fail you. Solid ground that will not sink into the ocean. And if you want to have a faith-based conversation with me, be glad to do that at Jmart Zone. If not me, I hope you find somebody in your life that you do trust enough to have that. Obviously, your prerogative, but you know where I stand on it. So, interestingly enough, I wanted to get to this yesterday and was not able to. I'm not going to lead off the show talking about Mike Tyson revealing, and I don't know if it's true or not, that he smokes $40,000 worth of weed every month, that he spends $40,000 on marijuana every month, but I certainly could open with that. This was something that I read yesterday from Chris Lowe that I wanted to talk about and didn't get to because there was other stuff happening. And I wanted to talk a lot about Antonio Brown last night. And I could certainly do that again today, but it was about Jalen hurts and you know where I am on Jalen hurts. And I'll re push that take here in a minute, but it's, it starts with headline hurts impresses Riley, but quarterback jobs still up for grabs. Chris Lowe writes, Oklahoma coach Lincoln Riley still isn't ready to name Jalen Hurts the Sooners starting quarterback, but said the Alabama graduate transfer has endeared himself to teammates with the way he has embraced the competition and that OU hopes to use him a little differently than he was used at Alabama. Hurts was 26-2 as a starter at Alabama and played in six college football playoff games for the Crimson Tide, but lost his starting job last season to Tua Tonga Vailoa. Hurts is vying with redshirt freshman Tanner Mordecai and true freshman Spencer Radler for the OU starting job. The experience, intangibles, maturity, and poise are really, really good, Riley told ESPN. You know what you're getting from Jalen with those things. The goal with us has been how quickly can we get him comfortable with this system, and he's getting closer every day. And then one of his teammates, star receiver C.D. Lamb, talks about Hurts being all business and being total pro and such a good guy, and then he goes, Jalen is just a winner, man. He's a baller. 
He wants to go out there and get the job done, and he wants to do it the right way. If he feels something is wrong, he's going to go back over it and over it. That's one thing you want in a quarterback, and he's a specimen. He's as big as a linebacker. With Coach Riley and him in the same room, along with some others, we can do something very special. I eliminated one phrase from C.D. Lamb's comments, and now I'm going to hit that. Quote, and can throw like anybody, unquote. And that's where I want to go here because reading this entire article and reading what it talks about, how he's a winner and all of his intangibles and all these things, the one thing that you don't hear from Lincoln Riley and really you don't hear from C.D. Lamb is you hear about him being a winner. You hear him about being a baller. You hear about him wanting to go out there, get the job done, and wants to get it done the right way. And he's going to go back over it, and he's going to improve, and he's going to fight to get him. He's going to fight for the job, and he's a leader, and all this. You know what you don't hear? Boy, he can throw the football. And that's been my take the entire time, and it's still my take now. And this is why I continue to say this is the single most intriguing storyline in the NF or in uh, college football this year. It is what is Jalen Hurts going to be at the University of Oklahoma? Clemson and Alabama, we know what they've got. Ryan Day is interesting to see how he follows up Urban Meyer and what that means for Ohio State. And you can look at other programs and you can cherry pick other narratives across the country. And depending upon your fandom, maybe it's how the Vols are going to do or whatever, but I'm talking about on a national landscape. Yes, it matters in the state of Tennessee. It matters in Knoxville. But across the country, they're not really paying attention to Tennessee because they're not taking them seriously. But Jalen Hurts going to Oklahoma, and Oklahoma with Lincoln Riley, who could have left for a pro job, stays in college. This is fascinating. And so let me lay this one more time for you. Because, yet again, none of Lincoln Riley's quotes had anything to do with the fact that he's a great thrower of the football. He says experience. He says intangibles. He says maturity. He says poise. And then he later says, at times, they moved it just as well or even better when he was in there. But you know what they don't, what he doesn't say? How they moved it when he was in there. Plus, he wasn't in there all that much. And when he was, a lot of times he wasn't even against the ones, at least last year. And this pains me because you've heard me say a lot of very nice things about Jalen Hurts, the human being, and the competitor. But when you look at what he's replacing, two guys that were over 60% in completions that threw a ton of passes, near 70 for Kyler Murray, over 70 for Baker Mayfield, 42 touchdowns last year, 43 for Baker Mayfield the year before, guys that somewhere around 4,000 or more than 4,000 yards, and in both those years, each guy, Baker and Kyler, threw for more touchdowns than Jalen Hurts did in his first two years as a starter combined in that 26-2 and record. Both of them are far more accurate. Kyler was better on the ground even than Jalen Hurts was. And so when I see that there's a quarterback competition, I see two different things. One, I see he has not wowed them enough as a passer for them to come out and give him the rubber stamp, the notary republic right now. I should have said notary public. It's not notary republic. That's like in say that's like saying uh intensive purposes. I used to say that. Like just a few years ago I realized that's intense and purposes. I'm not infallible, ladies and gentlemen. But nothing that you hear from anybody coming out of Oklahoma is talking about how the ball is just phenomenal coming out of his hands. It's about all of the other stuff. You know who else had that same knock? Tim Tebow. 
And that doesn't mean that you can't win a championship because Tebow won it at Florida. But then he got to the NFL, and then it became the narrative as to why he should not be a starter, why he should not be on the field at all, why he needs to just go ahead and give up this dream and go do other things with his life. But he's replacing two guys that were absolutely tremendous. And so he's coming in there, and they are not willing to endorse him as a quarterback. They're saying every possibly positive thing, every nice thing that they can conjure up inside that brain matter, inside that gray matter, to make it look good, but they can't say he can throw. Still. And then there's the secondary part of this, and that is the strategy that no matter who you are, Lincoln Riley wants you to know that you can come play at Oklahoma and have a chance to start. And that is incredibly important as it relates to getting recruits. All that you want to see is if I'm a guy that believes in myself the way a lot of these high school seniors do, these five-star guys do, I want to go somewhere high-end where I can compete for a championship but also can compete for a starting job. And that's what he is basically saying. Riley says there's going to be a point in the next week or two where we're going to step back and take a look at the body of work and see what we think. And then maybe he realizes what he's saying. He goes, "Uh, none of these guys have been in the system very long, but I could argue that top to bottom with those three guys, it may be as talented a quarterback room as we've had. It's also within the system, the most inexperienced group we've had as well. This is going to be tough for Jalen Hurts. I think he will be better at Oklahoma than he was at Alabama in terms of a passer because he will be put in better situations. But it's not like he was working with scrub offensive coordinators. It's not he was not like he was working with guys that didn't know how to use his skill set. The reason why he was taken out of that game against Georgia in the national title game was because he was ineffective and they did not respect his ability to throw the football down the field. Not they meaning Alabama, they meaning Georgia. They were able to stack up against those running backs and force them to beat him when he couldn't. What was the difference the year before? Jalen Hurts scored on the ground with about two minutes and 20 seconds, give or take, left in the championship game against Clemson. And then Deshaun Watson had enough time to get down the field and score. Why? Because he didn't have to do it on the ground. He was able to throw to Renfro. He was able to throw to Leggett. He was able to throw to Williams. He was able to find all of these guys because he had accuracy and because he knew how to throw dudes open. One thing that Deshaun Watson can be criticized and complimented is that he would throw believing his guys could make any catch. And so he would put them in situations where they had to make spectacular grabs. Sometimes that leads to interceptions. A lot of times it leads to receptions and touchdowns. If Jalen Hurts had been asked to do the same thing that Deshaun Watson had done, if this was in reverse and Deshaun Watson had run that 40 yards or whatever exactly it was, leaving them with two minutes, give or take, to score or take the lead. Would you believe that they would have come back and won that game? They had all the talent in the world at receiver, as they always do at Alabama. But Jalen Hurts having to pass his way down the field, could he have done it? I would say no. And this is somebody, you know me. I love Jalen Hurts. So when I look at Oklahoma, And I say, okay, if they're in close games, is he going to be the one that's going to lead them on passing? Now, he did it last year when he had to come back against Georgia. 
But I would argue there was almost no pressure on him in that game, in the SEC title game, because people really didn't expect them to come back. Georgia looked like the better team at that point. Tua was banged up, and so here comes Jalen Hurts. It was a perfect story for a movie, but that's not generally how it works. And Jalen Hurts played out of his mind, and it was one of the great comeback stories you'll see. One opportunity he had for his team, who he stuck it out with, unlike Kelly Bryant, who quit on Clemson because he was very distraught that he lost that job to Trevor Lawrence in week five after Trevor just wowed them against Georgia Tech. Jalen Hurts stayed behind and was there when they needed him and pulled a game out that it looked like Tua was going to lose. But that was one occasion. Now, he's going to play against worse defenses in the Big 12, and he's going to be able to run the football. But is magical? Is it going to be a magical moment where he finally has accuracy that he's never had before? I heard somebody a few days ago suggest that accuracy is something you can teach. That's not been my experience watching football. It's not like all of a sudden you get dramatically more accurate. And it's not even that Jalen Hurts can't be accurate because at times he puts the ball exactly where you want it, at times. But what about the other times? It's the other times that are going to lead Oklahoma to three or four losses potentially with him at quarterback. Even with Riley and all of that, what Riley is used to is what he does not have with Jalen Hurts. And so that's why he's saying we're going to look at the body of work and we're going to make the decision. It's going to be Hurts. I think that some of this is posturing for recruiting in the future. But the main thing is he cannot endorse the passing skill of Jalen Hurts. And that's going to cost Oklahoma. So I read between. Sometimes it's more important not what's said in an article, but what is not said. And Chris Lowe, who does just an outstanding job and, of course, is a a weekly guest on 3HL and one of the best in the business, one of the nicest guys in the business as well. This article, it's what it doesn't say. It's what Riley can't say that tells the story more. It's what CeeDee Lamb can't say that tells the story, which is, man, I love this guy. He's a winner. He's so good. He, he's intangibles, blah, 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 blah. I didn't see the how's he throwing the football answer because they didn't want that question, and they didn't have the answer there. They are hoping, but it's clear that they're not willing to rubber stamp this, nor should they. But this is the most interesting thing about the college football season, which is less than two weeks away. And thank goodness for that. We'll be right back. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Zone. Welcome back. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Long time in the making here with this music. Went in and wanted to edit and added some stuff today to the playlist. Going to add more of these guys. Super important to me. It's Moon Taxi. From right here in Nashville. Hopefully they'll be in studio with me soon. Quite a story behind Moon Tax. This is Morocco, by the way, if you're looking for it. We're brought to you by Renters Warehouse, dedicated to putting homeowners on the path to financial freedom through rent estate, renting your home without having to do the hard stuff. Renters Warehouse, the rent estate company. The Browns and the Titans, week one, will be CBS's A game. Jim Nance, Tony Romo, will be the crew. And this immediately stood out to me because it tells a larger story, as they usually do. If you want to succeed in this industry, at least as I have found it out to be, and look, there are people that do this different ways. I only know how to do it this way. And that is, if you take one specific story and you talk about that specific story 
usually you're going to lose people. But if you can find a way to extrapolate, extrapolate that into something larger, something bigger, something that can then be viewed in other contexts about other stories, then you might actually have something. And one of the real blessings that I have had is the ability to see that sometimes. That's the way I've written, and it's the way that I've tried to handle this show or any of the shows that I do. And some people, it might not be their cup of tea, but a lot of people tend to enjoy it because they can find examples and they can talk about those examples. So when you think about week one schedule in the NFL and Titans-Browns, you're like, ooh, what does this mean? Well, I know what it means. But there are one, two, three, four, five, six, seven games in the early window of week one. And I can look at more appetizing matchups that likely are CBS games where I would have expected Nance and Romo to have been. Without question, the number one game probably would be Indianapolis at Los Angeles Chargers. Luck, maybe, assuming he plays. That situation is fluid and doesn't seem to be great. But Luck versus Rivers, two playoff teams from last year, two teams that look like they could win their divisions. I'd say Kansas City's the favorite, but the Chargers are a very likely wild card team, and I think the Colts, if Luck is healthy, should walk to the AFC South crown. That one would make sense for Romo and Nance to be at. And the other one that you might look at is Kansas City and Jacksonville because Mahomes is box office. He's on the cover of Madden this year, and Jalen Ramsey's on the other side. Mahomes versus Ramsey is more appetizing, I would say, than anything in Tennessee and Cleveland. So why is it that the Titans and the Browns are the focus for CBS? It's the extreme hype for the Cleveland Browns, which is something we've discussed on this show previously. Baker Mayfield, Odell Beckham Jr., Juice Landry, Kareem Hunt when he comes back, Freddie Kitchens in his first year as a head coach, especially after Bob Wiley went after him and said it was Greg Williams and it was a quarterback's coach, and it really wasn't Kitchens, and he's in way over his head, and then Kitchens is fired back and said, well, Wiley wanted to stay, and we didn't want any part of him, so they let him go. You've got Miles Garrett, a young stud. You've got Ward. There's just a lot there, and they're the hype machine. You've got Lewis Riddick of ESPN saying they're going to win 11 games. Trendy pick to win the division. I'm on record saying it's going to be the Steelers. Maybe the Browns get a wild card. The idea that they're going to be a 7-9 and nine team is out there. But it might actually be more likely that it's one end of a seesaw that's either very high or very low, meaning three and thirteen or eleven and five, like Riddick says. And I don't think the eleven and five is that likely. But this is more because Baker Mayfield is relentlessly interesting. Maybe the most intriguing thing about the Browns is going to be what happens to Odell Beckham Jr. when he realizes his story is not generally going to be the one at the top in the Cleveland playing dealer. It's going to be about Baker. Maybe Odell gets there, but how does he get there? How is he going to handle being pushed to 1B behind Baker Mayfield's 1A in a quarterback league? He could be the superstar with the Giants because Eli Manning, one, wasn't interesting, and two, was declining at a precipitous rate at this level in his career. But Baker Mayfield, going into his second year, making all kinds of waves in the offseason, what he said about Ellinger on... Sooner Radio and getting into the Duke Johnson contract situation and just all of the things that he said about Hugh Jackson, like Baker Mayfield is box office. 
And so it makes total sense why Jim Nance and Tony Romo would be going to this specific game. And it has not just a little to do with the Titans. It has zero to do with the Titans. This shows that the Browns are one of the big stories of the NFL, if not the biggest story in the NFL. It's not the best week of games, but I can point out two right there that CBS has that I would say maybe have more of a football interest than Browns-Titans would, but because the Browns are involved, and if you can believe this, two or three years ago, no one would be saying this. They would be drawing straws to see whether or not it was going to be you know, Spiro Didis or one of those crews going to do that Cleveland game, and now it's Nance and Romo, and it doesn't actually sound that egregious. It sounds like the hype train is absolutely out of control. And so what's the larger impact here? The larger impact is that entertainment has become so elite and so oversaturated that if you don't have something that is immediately just not just inviting, but over the top inviting, you might lose audience. Preseason numbers are down big time in terms of viewership because there's other stuff to take our attention. This is why I'm on record saying the XFL is going to fail. It's why I predicted appropriately and properly that the AAF was going to fail. Why spring football would? Because, I mean, the preseason is franchises and names that we know, and we're still not watching that. Even though the football is not good, what is the football going to be in the XFL? What was the football in AAF? Not very good, right? But look at another story that involves a team being on television that generally is not on television. The New Orleans Pelicans, and this was released a couple of days ago, 30 games on national TV coming up this season. That, for an obvious reason, the Zion Williamson factor. But there is a real risk involved in that because if he gets hurt, they're still, they've still announced those games. What if he gets hurt early? Now, I'm certainly not hoping that he does. I want to see him play all year long and, and watch and see how he evolves and grows and what challenges he runs into and all that. But if he gets hurt in the second game, what are you watching? I saw the argument made yesterday. Oh, well, they've got a really young core. You know, they've got Lonzo Ball and they've got Drew Holiday and they've got Brandon Inger. Nobody cares. The reason why they have 30 games is because the expectation is people will tune in to watch Zion Williamson play basketball. Then there's a secondary risk of what if he's just an average player? What if he's not all that good yet? Not saying that he wouldn't get there, but what if his rookie season is not particularly standout and you've got him for 30 games and he's a dude that's not posterizing dudes and not because he's not that big. He's been playing against boys as a man. Now he's playing against other men, a lot of them bigger than he is. And he still does not have a jump shot, still not great from the free throw line, so he could be a liability late in game. So how often are we going to see him in those spots if that number doesn't improve? And then the three-point shot. So you're looking at the Browns, all kinds of hype behind them. And then you're looking at the Pelicans, all kinds of hype behind Zion Williamson. And you're looking at television executives that just want to make sure that they're able to hold tight with their ratings against increasingly difficult competition in the entertainment sphere, in the entertainment landscape. Netflix, there's an article in the Hollywood Reporter from Tim Goodman about how Netflix is probably soon going to have to pivot away from their strategy for the past half decade, which is we got everything. It's been about quantity. It's been about we've got 140 new Netflix original series this year alone, but not necessarily quality because very few of those shows 
get any kind of critical attention, get any kind of nominations, and a lot of the ones that do get nominations get it because of the star power, not necessarily the talent or the writing or things like that. You can look at the AMCs and the FXs and a lot of shows that get overlooked on those networks. Netflix has benefited, but now they're actually canceling shows because there is a feeling that they may have peaked and they're on the way down. They're about to lose the office. They're about to lose friends. You've got this Disney Plus deal coming out where ESPN Plus and Hulu are going to be attached to it for $12.99 a month, at least at the very beginning. So that's going to be a better deal. So Netflix is actually having to look at quality over quantity. That's exactly what's happening in the sports sphere. If CBS wants people to watch, let's put the A crew, not necessarily with a Super Bowl contender, but let's put them with the most interesting team, which outside of maybe New England and maybe you could come up with a second team. I'm not so sure they're not number two in the league. Dallas, I guess, but Dallas is most of the time going to be on Fox. The number two draw for CBS and the AFC it's not even a question, and it's ridiculous because Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs are so much fun to watch, but it's still the Browns because they're basically a walking tabloid. On the field, they could be unbelievable or just totally brutal if it doesn't work. Off the field, it could be even more entertaining than it is on, and so you have all these different storylines you can talk about during the game that don't even necessarily have to deal with what's happening between the hash marks. So it's not surprising at all that that's where Nance and Roma are going to be. But you can apply that to that, and you can look at the Zion Williamson deal with the Pelicans. You can start to see a shift in how sports are being adjudicated as it relates to the broadcast teams, as it relates to the number of cameras. Remember the SEC network compared to the CBS game? For example, not having all the angles on the SEC network that you even would on ESPN. These things are going to start to matter more and more because it's not about quantity because there's so much quantity everywhere. Everybody's 24-7. Everybody's 365. Everybody's got talent. Everybody's got offerings. It's about quality. And so those are the value judgments that are being made now. We'll be right back. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. So. Welcome back to the Big Six here on 104.5. His own little vampire weekend for you. This Life, name of this tune, all father of the bride. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. 615-737-1045. That's how you get me. Or you can tweet me at jmartzone. Let's take a call. Wendell is in Mount Juliet. Waited patiently through the break. Wendell, how are you this evening? Doing fine. I was just talking about the changes in coverage over the past several years. We've gotten more digital all kinds of bells and whistles, yep. but, uh, you know, it, it changes from market to market, too. And, you know, even as it relates to your own radio station, you know, now that they got all these repeaters and out, out there and things like that, you know, I could see something that y'all could do with, uh, you know, you might have a like a ESPN sports center running all the time on the main band, and then you've got a Titan repeater and a UT Vols repeater or something like that, you know, it's, uh, you know, for me personally, whenever I hear y'all talk about the NFL, you lose me. Interesting. So what are your sports? sports, So, okay. So you're all college. So you don't care about the NBA, the NFL, any of that stuff. No, I'd much rather hear you talk about SEC college. Um, you know, I have my favorites just like everybody else does. Sure. um, You know, 
I see it getting more splintered. You know, you hear about HBO doing this special on uh, Saban and yeah. Washington State and Penn State and Arizona, Arizona State, State yeah. whatever. But um, you know, they're they're trying to find better ways to command more audience. And and uh, when you talk to consumers, you find out that consumers really don't want as much quality as more choices. And you know. You got Wendell and Mount Juliet and Bill and Franklin and Harry and Bellevue, you know, and they all want to talk about different things when it comes to sports talk. And, you know, same thing goes for television and everything. We just got so many options now that that just seems to be the way it's going where you have this one big brand, you know, uh, you might call it 3HL or, you know, 104.5 The Zone or whatever, and then, you have these other little brands where people can splinter off into their own, uh, you know, interaction on, on specific interests. Yeah, and I think that's right. But I also think that there is plenty of variety out there. I mean, you've got the SEC network. If that's what you care about, you have all of those opportunities on television that you want to see. The mistake that you make in radio or in TV is if you program for yourself and you believe yourself to be indicative or representative of the largest swath. There are a lot of things that I would talk about on this show that I'm not going to because the audience just is not there. But I don't think that there's any lack of variety out there. You have to look at what it is that moves the needle for the most amount of people that at least you are somewhat interested in. The NFL is still king in this country. As much as I say the Pro Bowl is totally useless, 8 million people still watched it. That's something that very few other groups can classify at any given time. So I can't look at Wendell and Mount Julia and say, well, what does he want? Well, I've got to go there. My decision is I know that I'm following 12 hours of awesome local sports radio here in Nashville. Wake Up Zone, Midday 183 HL. And they have hit every conceivable angle by the time I get on about some of the local teams. So I do have to expand out. I also have the, it's sort of a blessing and a curse in that I have this national show on Sunday and I do a lot of fill in stuff for Fox. And so I have to look at things from a national perspective and then find a way to bring them back locally and then be able to take what's local and find a way to bring that out. Like sometimes I've got the cone going in and sometimes I've got it going out dependent upon which show I, and sometimes that can get confusing. But what I've tried to do and why I say I don't waste your time is I don't just want to sit here and regurgitate what a lot of smart people have said on these airwaves for the past 12 hours. I want to find at least a couple of things where I can talk to you in a germane fashion that you have not listened to all day. And so your idea about having one band, for instance, that's nothing but SportsCenter, I don't know why you would do that. Because everyone already has that on their phone or on their tablet or on their laptop or even just on the television at the bottom of the screen when you're watching ESPN or FS1 or whatever it is. We constantly know what the scores are. It's not something that needs to exist. We don't need news updates unless it's a breaking story, at which point we can react to it on the radio or you can react to it with analysts on TV. But what you don't necessarily need is the constant score update. You don't need it at the top of every hour. You don't need it halfway through the hour because we already know. If we care enough about those scores, then we have the app that's telling us 
or we're following those people that cover those teams, the beat writers, the Paul Kaharskis and the Jim Wyatts and the Buck Risings and all of the folks that are covering the Titans and doing such a great job. We're following them. You're following them. So I don't need to tell you every five minutes, for example, I don't need a sports update to say Titans 27, Eagles 10, because you already know. So I think that that's part of this as well, is being able to understand what you can offer that other people cannot, or at least looking at it from a different angle. And so the quantity of Netflix has to change to the quality. Maybe they have to put some more stuff and cut some more stuff in order to focus more attention on those things that are either going to win awards or being watched by millions. You want to push Stranger Things? You should push Stranger Things. But there are a whole lot of these Netflix originals that they used to do because they just wanted to offer everything. Now they need to look more at value. They need that that service to be as premium as it can be by trimming the fat. If you want a pro wrestling example, WWE has all of these great wrestlers on contract, right? They have all the talent in the world. Anybody they want, they can go and buy because of this new television deal, if nothing else. There are only a few people that will thumb their nose and say no to them. There is a price, as a million-dollar man used to say. But what good is it to have 150 talented guys if you only have space for 12 of them? And if you only need space for 12 of them or 24 of them or 36 of them, what are you doing outside of that? Well, you're just wasting money that you could use publicizing or trying to drum up things that are more original. So that's sort of my mentality on this show, and I think it's what Netflix is doing. And you look at Romo and you look at Nance going to Browns Titans because the Browns are going to move the needle because Baker Mayfield is a needle mover even past the fact that he's an NFL quarterback, which is one of the top three celebrities in sports. It's NFL quarterbacks, it's NBA superstars, and it's college football coaches. Those are your transcendent players, the ones that can go on Jimmy Fallon, and most people know who they are. And I don't even mean all the quarterbacks. Like, I don't know that Jameis Winston could do it. I don't know if Andy Dalton could do it. Here, obviously, Mariota could do it. I don't know if he could do it nationally. But you have a better chance of being known even wearing a helmet if you're a quarterback because it's a quarterback's league. So if you've got a quarterback that might have talent but has edge, which is what Mike Trout lacks for baseball, you better take advantage of it. And CBS is doing that because they want eyeballs in a very oversaturated entertainment landscape. Be right back. Big Six, 104.5 The Zone. Download. Final segment tonight here on the Big Six, 104.5, The Zone, Global Golf Radio. Barney Allery coming up next. Then Chris Martell and the crew with the Neutral Zone talking hockey as well. I'm Jason Martin. I'm on Twitter at jmartzone. 615-737-1045 is how you join this program. And this is something that we received a little bit earlier, and that is season tickets to Tennessee and Vanderbilt could be yours. Thursday night, August the 29th, college football kickoff party, Corner Pub, downtown on 5th. You get to watch all the Thursday night kickoff games. It's the Tyson, Titans preseason finale as well. You get to watch it on an LED TV wall that's just utterly ridiculous. Over 20 75-inch TVs. You've got to be there if you want to win the season tickets. Tennessee or Vanderbilt. Corner Pub, downtown on 5th, Thursday, August the 29th. We're going to be out there. We hope to see a lot of you 
out there as well. We're brought to you by Renner's Warehouse here on this show, dedicated to making renting your home easy, fast, and worry-free. Renner's Warehouse, you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. So I'm looking at this list that Magic Johnson put out on his Twitter account of his top 60 TV shows, and I'm just dying laughing. And at first I didn't realize it was alphabetical, then I realized it was alphabetical, but some of the omissions and some of the inclusions are pretty stunning. But one of the things that's not on this list is Hard Knocks, which of course was last night. How did they handle? Remember, I let off or talked in the second segment, at least yesterday, about how Hard Knocks had a responsibility if they wanted to be seen as anything more than a publicity arm or a propaganda tool of the NFL. How did they do? Well, as I'm watching it, I realize they don't spend a ton of time. We get to see Antonio Brown's feet look pretty gnarly. And then he sort of explains how it happened. And then the helmet thing we see through updates from the NFL Network. We see Andrew Siciliano. We see a couple of other reports. We don't really see anything from the team reacting to that, with the exception of Gruden in the very same press conference that we all heard on Saturday following the 14-3 to win over the Rams in the first preseason game. And so I was ready to kill HBO, and then I started thinking about it. I said, well, what exactly would they say? I can understand that the Raiders probably, if they did say anything, they'd probably want it cut out because you can't lose Antonio Brown, and mentally you lose him if you don't defend him. You're not sort of allowed in this case, if you're Gruden, to have genitalia. It's kind of how that goes. If he wants Antonio Brown, he has to say, we're defending this guy, man. Just can't wait to get him out here. Really want to coach this man. He's an unbelievable talent. This is a personal issue for him, yes. And like I said last night, key word there is issue. Massive issue. But, of course, he comes back, and Drew Rosenhaus says, hey, he didn't intend to be away from the team this long. Well, if he didn't intend it, he could have just shown up because it was his decision to make. Unless someone is moving him and he is like a puppet and there's a marionette moving Antonio Brown around, which, by the way, his antics have gone, it's possible because at times it does look like an animated show from a Saturday morning. But Hard Knocks didn't really have any choice. I thought the episode last night was a lot better than the first one. I thought the Sean McVay passed footage with him and Gruden where Gruden was asking, hey, you want to stay in this league? You want to, you want to jump up in this league and be more in this league? You got to work hard, blah, 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 all this kind of stuff. And then it flips to current day when they're talking, and you hear Gruden's kind of looking forlorn. His head's down. He's just like, you guys are killing it. We got a lot of work to do around here. Well, you want to talk about somebody turning a 180. I mean, Sean McVay was so young, and he's still very young. And now here's the elder statesman who, like, McVay was basically almost the water boy at that point in time for the coaching staff. And now he's coaching the team that represented the NFC in the Super Bowl and got multiple guys hired just because they knew him, meaning Kingsbury, meaning LaFleur, meaning Zach Taylor. That was stunning and very good video from the NFL. I thought this was better. also thought it was interesting that it ended with Antonio Brown and Drew Rosenhaus making it to practice, which is something that happened yesterday, and they already had that entered. They, didn't, they weren't able to do anything else. They weren't able to talk to him. They just kind of shot him from behind, but you knew it was the same thing. Rosenhaus is wearing the same shirt. That was him showing up at practice, and then they say next week on Hard Knocks, the fallout from Antonio Brown's helmet saga. The fallout's already happened. There's not really any more fallout unless he goes home again. He showed up 15 minutes before practice ended. And so he's going to play, and he's trying to find a way to get certified a version of his old helmet, which he's found. The whole thing is ridiculous. It really is. Magic's top 60 TV shows, also ridiculous. 
not all of them are ridiculous. Some of them are just interesting, and it reminds you how old Magic is. The reason it's top 60 is because he turned 60 years old this week. How old do you feel? Irvin Magic Johnson is 60. But the list, I don't really want to read it all to you. But he's got, like, ballers on here, and he's got Blackish on here, and he's got Andy Griffith on here, and he's got Empire, and then he's got Sports Center and Family Feud and First Take and Hanging with Mr. Cooper. And then we get to numbers 32 and 33. And this is where I died laughing because you remember I was talking about red shows and blue shows, and I've done that in the past about how it's my philosophy. The red shows are one that could affect your mood, so you've got to, you know, you've got to kind of be in the right mood, or you have to be focused. And a blue show is something that you've seen before, something that you can always have on in the background. Maybe you remember all the quotes from it. I don't know if this is a red show or a blue show, but if I wanted to do another show where I talked about what are your guilty pleasures, what are the things that yeah, it's on. You might not tell everybody you're watching it, but you might be watching it. And some of that's probably reality TV. But his number 32 and 33 are Judge Judy and Judge Mathis. That is outstanding. This list doesn't include Mad Men. It doesn't include Breaking Bad. It doesn't include Seinfeld. doesn't include Cheers. It includes both Law & Order and Law & Order SVU. But it also has the People's Court. I don't know if that's Wapner or if that's... Uh, Million that had Harvey Levin of TMZ early on, like outside the courtroom. But you've got Judge Judy, Judge Mathis, and the People's Court making it into his top 60. And some amazing shows not making it. Now, I'm not surprised that Game of Thrones did not make Magic Johnson's top 60. But, I mean, he's got Alfred Hitchcock Presents on this list. So I'm thinking, all right, so what channels does he watch? And based on some of this stuff, it tells me, that he watched a lot of TVS and a lot of Nick at Night. Because where else would you see Alfred Hitchcock? And then you think of like, remember when you used to see this on TVS? Andy Griffith was sort of what made TVS. It was Braves baseball, it was World Championship Wrestling, and it was the Andy Griffith show. So you had that. You had the Brady Bunch, which I never saw until they started running it on TBS because I was too old for it. But then you got like Dragnet. Where'd you see Dragnet at? You saw Dragnet on Nick at Night. I would imagine that's where he saw it as well. And then you've got some other stuff, but you've got I Love Lucy. That was also on Nick at Night. So I'm just looking at this saying, okay, well, what channels does Magic Johnson watch? But nothing is funnier on this list to me than the fact that Judge Judy and Judge Mathis made it into Magic's top 60 television shows of all time. Magic Johnson's Twitter account is a never-ending cavalcade of saying nothing. It is the most it's, it's like the reason why social media shouldn't exist because it's just Magic Johnson making observations that anyone with a functioning pair of eyes could make. But this list of 60, I mean, if we had time, we could parse this entire thing, pick it apart and find out what we like. And there's a lot of it that I do like, but Judge Judy and Judge Mathis, those are guilty pleasure kind of shows that made it into his top 60. Maybe we'll do a guilty pleasures topic coming up. There's a few things that I have in the works here that I want to do before we get full-throated into football season, but that's awesome. If Magic's sitting at home watching Judge Judy banging Halo Top, that's pretty phenomenal. Also phenomenal is Global Golf Radio. It's up next. I'll see you tomorrow. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't lose. God bless, and good night.